Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Looking to bet on the NFL this season? There's no better place to wager than betonline.ag. From spreads to totals to player props, you can bet on anything and everything NFL at betonline.ag this season. BetOnline is the official provider of all betting lines used on the TDN Fantasy Podcast and the DraftNetwork.com. Go to BetOnline.ag and start wagering on the NFL, college football, and so much more right now. TDN Fantasy. The TDN Fantasy Fantasy Podcast. With your hosts Paige Demakos, Jamie Eisner, and Jake Arians. Greetings, TDN Fantasy listeners. It is the Hype Train here, and boy, do we have a special episode for you here today. Last night, got the whole TDN crew together. So myself, Jamie Eisner, Paige Demacos from TDN Fantasy, we're joined by the Draft Dudes, Kyle Krabs, Joe Marino, and Jordan Reed from TDN's scouting department. We got together for a special Black Monday roundtable where we discussed the six job openings in the National Football League and who we all thought fit those jobs and what these teams should be looking for. Very jam-packed, long episode, so we're splitting it into two parts. Today, you're going to get the first three jobs we talked about. Tomorrow, come back, and you'll get the next three. So here are the first three that we talked about yesterday. Enjoy. Welcome into a very special edition of, I don't even know what to call it, guys, because it's not a TDN fantasy show. It's not a draft dude show. It's a round table for the draft network. It's a first front office 33 edition show, right? That's really what this is. This is this was spawned from Jordan Reed, Joe, myself, and Kyle, okay, in Indianapolis. I'll take you back, right, to the last time we were all together in Indianapolis at the Combine, which seems like five years ago at this point, right? It really was not that long ago, but it seems like forever ago. The world was in a totally different place. And we were sitting around a table in Indianapolis, and we were arguing about how many picks it would take to move out of taking Joe Burrow at number one. And this is so distinct in my mind. I can just remember how much of it, we were arguing and we were pounding. And it was, it was such a fun conversation. I said, man, I wish that we could deliver this to all the Draft Network fans. So that's why we're here. So I have Kyle Krabs. I have Joe Marino. I have Jordan Reed. I have Jamie Eisner. And I have Chris Schubert. So guys, welcome to the show. I'm very excited to have you here. Chris, since your team is one of the teams that we will be talking about, I'm going to go to you first, right? How are you feeling? All right. How are you feeling now that Adam Gase is officially no longer the head coach of the New York Jets? I don't know what it's like to live in this world of positivity where you have your general manager and your the guy who's running your franchise come out and say all these nice things that like, hey, we're going to let the GM kind of spearhead our head coaching search. We're going to we're going to get this right this time. It's very weird as a Jets fan to live in this world where they're saying the right things and it appears that they're going to be doing the right things. And it all just will end up with a coach that I hate in like three or four weeks time. And then the cycle will continue, but it's really nice living in this moment right now on this show with you guys, where I can be positive. I, I love that you can be positive for even just a few moments, Chris, because obviously, yeah, positive as Jamie put in air bastion of just positivity over there, Chris already (laughs) doom and gloom about a coach that hasn't even been hired yet. Listen, he's got a long time of history to prove that he is correct. Uh, But we will start off guys with talking about the Detroit lions And Jordan Reed, this was an NFL team that you scouted, right? So just so you guys know how the scouting department has been operating, we've got regions for college football, and they've got different divisions and teams that they've been breaking down, right? A lot of behind-the-scenes work here. So, Jay, when you look at this Detroit Lions team, where you thought they were coming into the season and where they are now, how lucrative of a job is this? 
Well, Kyle and Joe can attest to this. I said this during our scouting meetings coming into the year. I said, if Patricia doesn't at least make the playoffs, he's probably not going to be there in 2021. So uh, with this roster, I think there's just so much work that needs to be done, especially on the defensive side. They have the, the last ranked defense in the NFL right now. We know with Matt Patricia being on that side of the football, you can't have the, the defensive identity of the coach being that poorly ran. So that was one of the biggest reasons why I thought this wasn't a very good a regime coming into the year. And I thought this was one that was eventually going to be replaced just because of the personnel. We know about the Patriot way in a sense of what they wanted to copy. And when they had Jim Caldwell, they had pretty much continuity if for lack of very uh, lack of words, uh, but I think that this job is probably one of the more lower tier jobs just because of the lack of personnel that they have right now. And then you have a quarterback question. And that's not a knock against Matthew Stafford, but is he at 32 years old? Is he going to is he going to want to go through another rebuild? So you have questions at quarterback. And then also you have a bunch of defensive personnel that's really lacking right now. So the first thing that the general manager has to do is just sit down with Matthew Stafford and just ask him what he wants to do if he wants to go through another rebuild. If not, then you're really starting at the bottom with potentially entertaining trade offers for him. And then you have to figure out what to do on the defensive side of the football. So um, it's probably a lower tier job. And I just see other jobs around the NFL just a bit more lucrative right now. Yeah, I think most people would be in agreement with you. This is one of those, There's the, this job and the Falcons job, we're going to have a lot of emphasis on aging quarterbacks and how that's going to impact what they do here, right? So, Jamie, one of the things I tasked you with is talking about cap space and looking at actually what is what can actually happen, right? Because a lot of fans like to live in this scenario where the cap doesn't exist and they can trade whatever they want and they can add whatever players they want. We live in reality where that is not available to us, right? And and Matthew Stafford's contract last year was one of the contracts we told everybody, it's not coming off the books. They're not drafting Tua because they can't, right? And we thought we said it over and over and over again because they had to play Stafford. What is the situation this year? When you look at 2021, how confident are you that Matthew Stafford is going to be the starting quarterback? Not In a normal circumstance, I'd say not very, but I agree with Jordan where I think Matthew Stafford's making this call right now. Does he want to be there? Does he want to go through another rebuild? Does he want to stick it out? Because right now with 41 players under contract, they only have about five and a half million dollars of effective cap space. And if you might have noticed that their top receivers are all pending for agents. So I don't know who Matthew Stafford's going to throw the ball to right now when he comes back next season. They're going to have to move some things around, but he has a $10 million roster bonus due on the fifth league day. So they're going to have to make this decision here in the next couple months. And if they decide to trade him, a pre-June 1 trade would net them about $14 million in cap savings with a $19 million cap hit. A post-June 1 trade, it's $20 million in savings, but obviously you've already paid that roster bonus. And then you have a $13 million in dead space this year. $6 million carries over to 2021. Uh, I mean, I'm with Jordan here. This is a multi-year rebuild on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, And this is not a team I imagine is going to turn things around quickly. For my money, it's the second worst job opening that's out there right now. Uh, If Stafford says he wants to leave, uh, man, I mean, this this team is many years, it feels like, away from competing. It doesn't feel like this is a two- or three-year project. This feels like a probably a five-year project, as long as that seems, if Stafford also wants out. But I don't know. This, this team's not in great shape. Like there's I, really, they're really not in good shape. And look, it's Matthew Stafford's not the problem. And I know people sometimes have this misunderstanding of the conversation around Matthew Stafford being traded is not because Matthew Stafford isn't good or Matthew Stafford is the problem in Detroit is the fact that you're trying to figure out how you get this team back to a competitive nature 
in a quick enough manner. And I don't think they're going to do it while Matthew Stafford is still providing a high level of quarterback play. I think they're too far along. Can I jump in on that page? Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. If that's the case, which I agree completely, then the choice on whether or not Matt Stafford is here shouldn't be Matthew Stafford's. It should be, it should be the front offices to understand this is going to be a significant rebuild. We need to maximize and get as many assets as we possibly can. So if that means you pay a $10 million roster bonus and then you trade Matthew Stafford away to get as much capital as you can and resources that you can and cap space that you can to kind of help kickstart this, that is the biggest challenge facing Detroit is they brought in so many players under Matt Patricia that are now under contract that aren't probably going to fit the next system that is brought in there. You have to tear assets down to give yourself flexibility to move forward. Because if, if you sit on your hands and you wait for Matthew Stafford's contract to expire because he likes living in Detroit and playing for Detroit, and you wait for these defensive contracts to expire, like you said, this is a five-year build. And whoever is coming in here from a GM perspective and a head coaching perspective won't see the other side of it because that's how big of a build that it is. Matthew Stafford has, is so underappreciated. And I think maybe it's because I'm in, I, I pay very close attention to the NFC North. But this was a this goes back to a decision that was made to move away from Jim Caldwell that was winning games. Okay, this was a, this was a team. This is a franchise that is not a winning franchise. They've never won a Super Bowl. They don't they don't have a rich history of being successful. And Jim Caldwell had multiple positive seasons, right? And the expectation was we're firing him to bring in Matt Patricia because our we need to maximize this window with a top tier quarterback. It went the exact opposite way, right? They nosedived. It was terrible. It was a total, complete failure, right? And that's why they are in the predicament that they are in now. So let's assume that they're going to move away from Stafford, right? I hope for Stafford's sake, he gets an opportunity to play football somewhere else. He's still got a lot of good years left in, right? He's 32 years old. Like he's not 39, right? And we're looking at Drew Brees and Tom Brady and all these guys playing into their late 30s, early 40s. I hope he gets an opportunity to go somewhere else. But Kyle and Joe, I want to ask you guys, these are these are the, the candidates that have been tagged to Detroit as of right now, right? So it's Robert Sala, Daryl Bevel, who's the current coach, right, who stepped in uh, as the interim coach, Eric Bieniemy, Dan Campbell, Marvin Lewis, and Arthur Smith. So you're going to hear a lot of these names over and over again, right? A lot of these guys are tagged to multiple teams. Now, you do not have to tell me that you like any of these coaching candidates. You can tell me, Paige, I don't like any of them, right? But if if they move away from Matt Stafford, I'll go to you first, Kyle. Who's the best option for them here to hit reset mode and move forward in what has been Green Bay's division for such a long time? I think that's the key is you, anytime you're building a team, you have to look at the landscape around you and you have to understand what the challenges are because I'm sure Joe would have told you this if you went to him first. The quickest way to get into the playoffs each year is to win your division. So you have to gear your team construction towards what is around you in the NFC North and to have the Green Bay Packers and the continuity that they've had and Aaron Rodgers, who, you know, he's getting along in the tooth, but he's playing some of the best football of his career in 2020. I do think a defensive minded coach like Robert Sala makes a lot of sense to, to give you the best chance to, make the best of the defensive assets that you've spent so much into the ones that don't fit. Those are the ones that are probably going to get looked to get moved and, and give your team some extra capital and flexibility moving forward. But uh, it's not too often that you, you see state legislature writing letters of recommendation for head coaching hires, but 
for a place like Detroit, if you have that kind of support for your candidacy for the job, I do think that has a little bit of weight. Not that that should make the decision from a football perspective, but this is going to be a tough build. So having yeah. somebody who has the support of the fan base and the community, uh, I think is an important variable here as well. So I think Robert Sala gives you the best of that. And he gives you the best chance to kind of recoup and salvage as much as you can of the Matt Patricia defensive investments that have been made. Joe, who, who are you taking? You, you agree with Kyle? You're going in a different direction here? Yeah, I disagree with Kyle on this one. The guy Ooh, that stands I love out it. for me is, is Arthur Smith, the offensive coordinator for the Tennessee Titans. And I do have some concerns about Arthur Smith and, and it projecting him to being a head coach in the NFL. And part of that is we know he's successful in Tennessee with that style of offense, with Derrick Henry and a physical run-blocking offensive line and, and you know the play-action game with what he has in Ryan Tannehill with A.J. Brown and Corey Davis. But I like the opportunity to replicate some of that in Detroit where you've already got DeAndre Swift at running back. You've already made a pretty sizable investment in him, right? An early second round pick on a running back when nobody really thought you needed one. So you have him, you have some physical run blocking offensive linemen. You've got Taylor Decker, you got Frank Ragnow, and you've got a really good, exciting young tight end and TJ Hawkinson. And so I, I like the, uh, the idea of going into this thing with a run heavy plan because you have a lot of those ingredients already in place find some receivers. And then I think you can draw some parallels to what Arthur Smith was able to get out of Ryan Tannehill in Tennessee and say, Hey, Matthew Stafford, I think we got a chance to replicate some of those dynamics. We can show off your arm talent, let you throw the football down the field. You know, I'm not going to ask you to carry this team because I think we can do it from the ground, you know, winning, winning with the ground game and, and throw the football from there. And that's going to give us a chance uh, against these really dynamic teams in, in, you know, throughout football, but also in their division, the green Bay Packers led the league this year in scoring offense. You're going to have to score with those guys. And I, I think that um, part of, of giving them a chance to win in that division would be able to take an approach an offensive approach like Arthur Smith would bring to the table based on what we've learned about him from Tennessee. I think the only way that you get Matthew Stafford to stay is if you make a move like that, right? If you bring in an offensive minded coach that's had some success over a prolonged period of time and Arthur Smith comes to mind, if, if that's the case, but if they do move on from Stafford, it's going to be really interesting to see which direction they go. So I'd like to end with everybody making a little prediction here. Okay. I want you to tell me, will Matthew Stafford be playing? <laughs> In Detroit in 2021, will he be the starting quarterback? And who will be the coach for the Detroit Lions? So, Kyle, I'm going to put you on the spot first. You are up, then Joe, Jordan, Jamie, Chris, all in that order. So, Kyle, go ahead. I'm going to stick with the blueprint that I laid out. Robert Sala is the coach. Matthew Stafford is not there. They understand that this is a long-term rebuild. You have to start that. You have to give yourself a chance to have more flexibility than what Detroit has with effective $5.5 million in cap space and only two top 50 picks at their disposal. You need more than that to get this thing started. So I'm going to say Matthew Stafford is playing elsewhere in 2021. Okay. Joe? I will say that Matthew Stafford's a quarterback for the Detroit Lions next year. And when you talk about moving on from a quarterback like Matthew Stafford, you have to be able to ask yourself this question. Who's going to play quarterback for me? Who, who's it going to be? They're, they're not picking high enough in the draft that they're sec going to secure one of these big-time talents. And if you move on from Matthew Stafford, who you know is an upper echelon quarterback, certainly above average, probably a you know, 10 to 15 range quarterback, I don't think you move on from that guy without having a clear plan to say, yeah, I can get better quarterback play. And so 
because of his contract a little bit, because of, I think, Stafford's investment in Detroit as well. I think that he would really want to see this team take that step forward. And, and you know, he's a number one pick. He, he wants to, to be a, a winner in Detroit. And I think he wants to be there. And, and I feel like I just don't know the, the, the course to upgrading Matthew Stafford. And I'm not moving on from Stafford if, unless I know I can upgrade. Totally makes sense. I hope for, for Stafford's case, if they're going to do that, they actually invest in the running game. Man, they have not, they have had such a tough time with that for such a long period of time and making sure that he gets protected. So Jordan, is, is Matthew Stafford going to get protected? Is he going to be in Detroit or, is, or, or are they going to move on from him and, and potentially make his way to, to uh, Denver, one of the places you wrote about earlier on this year? Yeah, I think Stafford will be the quarterback there next year just because he has such a high cap number. I think it's around 23 or 24 million it would cost to move on this year. And I think next year it minimizes down to like nine or 10 million. So I think it's much easier to move on from him next year. But uh, just piggybacking off of Joe's point, they do hold the seventh overall pick. And I mean, we know there's four top guys at the top of the draft right now. And why not take a guy like a Trey Lance there to where he can redshirt in a sense and sit behind Matthew Stafford and with Robert Sala as a defensive minded head coach, something that I think is going to be a driving force and why a lot of people are probably going to be in his corner is that he has that one of us model behind him behind behind that just because he's from a, he's from Dearborn, Michigan. So he's basically one of us. That's what a lot of Detroit people have been saying with him. And then something else that you see a lot with these head coaching hires is that they try to cater to some of their former first round picks. And what I mean by that is Jeffrey Okuda did not have a good year last year. So what the owners are probably going to be thinking is that how, how can we get the best out of this guy? We just invested a top five selection. in. so I think a guy like Robert Sala, who his system fits very well for Jeffrey Okuda. And let's say they bring over a guy like a Richard Sherman who could come over and just be that one year mentor for him. I think that's another underrated part that could come over and really help him in that proponent as well. But I'm just throwing stuff against the wall hoping it sticks. But I think Robert Sala would be a really good connection here for the Detroit Lions. Sure seems like Robert Sala is going to get one of these jobs. His name is mentioned in nearly every single one of these potentials. And that's because this 49ers team managed to, through all the injuries they had this year, still stay watchable, right? Like they were not, they never, they never went to a point where we just were like, you can't watch this football team. They just, they were able to sustain so much. And obviously Sala has been able to, that defense was missing a lot of its key parts. So it sure does seem that the one of us thing might work out in Detroit, Jamie, I know we've talked about fantasy wise. We want, we want the, we want Matthew Stafford so far away from Detroit from a fantasy football perspective, because the, when Jordan wrote about Denver, I was like, please, right. You just look at all those options in Denver and you're like, bye, drew lock. Hello. All of the fantasy football options, right? It's, it's dream scenario. We know that that's not how real life works, even if we want it to, right? So is Matthew Stafford playing in Detroit and, and who's going to be the head coach in 2021? Uh, I think he is. Uh, I don't think that's the right move. Uh, I agree wholeheartedly with Kyle uh, in that if you want to rebuild this team the quickest, you need to get draft capital and you need to figure out your situation. And they, I don't think they're going to do that. Uh, and I think maybe the idea of Matthew Stafford still being there makes the job a little bit more attractive in the short term, although I think it makes it less attractive long term. And who knows if they're going to be able to trade him next year. If the injury, you know, look, he had an injury-filled season this year. He wasn't able to finish the year at the end. But another year of, of wear and tear on your body, you know, there's no guarantee you're going to get the same amount of draft capital next year that you're going to get for him this year if they would move him. But 
I kind of think they're going to keep him around at least one more season. And I do think it's going to be Robert Sala that's going to get that job there. seems like there are too many stars aligned for him to be in that spot, but I don't know, like to me, long-term, I, I think moving Stafford and then bringing in a coach that you give that kind of a, in terms of length, that Matt rule type length and say, we know this is going to be a long rebuild. We know you're going to need to have a lot of time to put all of this together. We're going to build some, as much security as you could possibly have in one of these deals into this. So you know that, but I think they're just going to go run it back with Stafford. I, I just think there's this perception around this Lions team that they're always better than they actually are. Like every year, and maybe this is more of a media or analyst creation, but the Lions always pop up in the look out for Detroit. They could be competitive this year. And we've seen that for a couple of years now when they've been near the bottom. I, I, I don't know. I don't buy it, but I, I do think Stafford's going to end up being there next year. And I mean, good luck. Go, go win six games and be in the same spot you were the last couple of years. So I don't know. I'm not a big fan of that, but I think that's what's going to be most likely to happen. Jamie, I'm glad you brought that up because good Lord, how many times do I have to say it? How many times do I have to talk about how the fact that this, I, it's like, you don't, it's like, you don't know the history of this franchise. This is a franchise that has suffered for a very long time. They weren't just all of a sudden going to turn it on. And I, I remember I saw dark horse candidate to, to win a Super Bowl potential to win, to win the division, all this stuff. And I'm looking at, I'm going, no, 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 it's not happening. Right. And that's what Detroit Lions fans do not want to hear. They want to hear they're going to be able to get out of this hole that they have been in for a long time. And speaking of holes, Chris, you know what it's like to be in a hole, right? You're a Jets fan, right? So you understand the pain and misery of Lions fans. So tell the Lions fans, do you think that they're going to, they're going to have Stafford back last year, next year? And uh, do you think it's Robert Soller or do you think it's somebody else? So Paige, you know me better than most people on this show. I'm team chaos. I love sowing chaos and dissension among the ranks. That is what I'm about to do right now. Kyle move over, make some room over there in the, the, the Lions trade okay. Matt Stafford uh, boat, because yeah, Matt Stafford is not going to be the quarterback of this team next year. This job isn't attractive to the Robert Salas, the Eric B the Arthur Smiths of the world because of how much work is going to need to go into it. There's a lot of risk associated with taking this job. So I think the more likely option is they're going to go with a candidate that's not going to win them the headlines, but is going to be willing to put in that work. I'm going Marvin Lewis, guys, a guy who is out of football right now, working in the college ranks, but has had coaching experience. He is he's coaching at Arizona State as the co-defensive coordinator right now. He just loves football. He's the perfect guy to come in and start this five, four, five year rebuild for you guys. And if you go three, four years in and he wants to step aside, he doesn't want to coach football anymore. Boom. You give yourself a roster to a, a hot coordinator candidate that can step in there so i know it's not going to win a lot of headlines it's probably not going to win a lot of games but you got to have somebody that's willing to step in there and kind of grit their teeth and take their lumps marvin lewis is the guy chris no and detroit fans i'm sorry i'm sorry that chris just put this out into the universe because this would be so quintessentially detroit to do this right to go out and be like yeah we're gonna hire him and i would be you just sit there and you just shake your head. So I'm sorry that Chris just put this out to the universe. If it happens, his Twitter handle is at shoe radio. Feel free to tweet at him endlessly because he just gave that out to the out as the number one option for you guys. So Chris, that's your own fault. I can't, I can't believe you just put that out for Detroit fans. They have suffered so much. They really deserve better. All right, let's move on. Let's talk about the Atlanta Falcons. This is a team that Joe Marino, very own Joe Marino scouts. So Joe, before we get into the uh, terrible cap situation that Jamie is very excited to break down, what went wrong for this team this year? Because this is a team that made the Super Bowl. Obviously, we know the ultimate meltdown, right? 
but has gone on a nosedive since, right? And Matt Ryan is still the quarterback there. They've got Julio Jones. They got a lot of they got a lot of first round picks. Everybody likes to talk about it. Look how many first round picks they got. Look how many guys they got on that team that and and it just hasn't turned on for them, right? So what went wrong this year for Atlanta? Because another year of disappointment. Don't know how to win football games. And that, you know, it, we got a, a glimpse of that in the Super Bowl when they blew the lead, but it's something that hasn't escaped this team for a long time. Now, obviously, injuries, especially over the last couple of seasons, have really plagued this team. But at the end of the day, they don't finish. And I think part of that comes from not being able to find a consistent ground game. You know, they 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 kicked the tires on Todd Gurley this year. It went okay for a little while, but at the end of the day, Todd Gurley's not the answer at running back. And, you know, Matt Ryan has been so productive for this football team, but he's been asked to carry the team with really, I know he's got good weapons around him at receiver. There's no question, but he's never been supported by that running game. And I think that has contributed heavily to the reason that they can't close out football games. I mentioned injuries and, and, you know, this was a team just like so many of these teams that we're going to talk about in that they were facing kind of a make make or break year, right? Dan Quinn, we all knew make or break year for Dan Quinn. He was kind of living off of the good graces of his early success in Atlanta, but he couldn't deliver once again. And, um, and I think it's just a matter of a team that doesn't know how to meet expectations. And, and to Arthur Blank's credit, the owner, he finally said, you know what? We got to do something different. Like whether that's not just a coach, right? It's not just uh, Dan Quinn being fired. They said goodbye to Thomas Dimitrov, who was there for a long time. And so it, it's it was a real honest look at what they have, where it's not going to go, and say, hey, we got to make some changes here. We got to get some new people in here. And I and I really respect the decision to make some some difficult decisions uh, that Arthur Blank has made. And you know this team can now with some of that now firmly behind you, right? There's there's no pieces of of that of those fallouts in, in place anymore, they can really focus on rebuilding this thing and reestablishing, you know, what Atlanta Falcons football really is. So Jamie, I want you to talk about here, obviously their cap situation, but when you look at their division, right, you've got two aging or, you know, you've got Tom Brady and you've got obviously Drew Brees. This is their, the end of the leash, right? And then you've got Carolina who's completely decided to just go all in on rebuild, right? So it seems like they have an opportunity to fall on the, Carolina side right and start to rebuild as what we envision will be probably one more year of Tom Brady and maybe this is the last year we see Drew Brees right so is that do they have that option when you looked at their cap situation you just sent me um, some expletives that I will not uh, say on the show but that was the description of the Atlanta Falcons current situation so go ahead it's a fascinating division because I think we're looking at a scenario right now where they're there's a good possibility that not a single starter in 2022 is on one of their rosters right now at quarterback for the entire division. Like it is just, it, it's a strange scenario there with Drew Brees assuming this is going to be his last year's reports. Brady probably won more. Bridgewater's not going to be the long-term answer in Carolina. And then the decision on what to do with Matt Ryan is going to be paramount based on their cap space, which is very bad. So they have 30, only 31 players under contract for next year and are almost $25 million in the hole cap wise. So their effective cap space is almost $38 million in the red uh, if they come in at 176. And I'm of the mind that we still don't know what this cap space is going to look like, but if this comes in under 190, I don't know how they get through this without being, without trading Matt Ryan post June one designation. Like, I don't know how they field a roster. Like they don't have enough guys. Even if you cut, you know, Ricardo Allen and cut James Carpenter, cut, you know, Allen Bailey, you, you okay, you free up 14-ish, $15 million. 
Okay, so that's awesome. So now you're at 28 players and you're still 10 million in the hole. How you, I, mean, I just don't know how they're going to field the team with their current cap situation right now. You can't trade any of these guys pre like you don't, that would make it worse, whether it's Matt Ryan or Julio Jones. But, you know, if you trade Matt Ryan post, you're going to take, I mean, you're going to take it on the chin regardless for either one of these guys, but you take a 17.9 million dead cap hit immediately. You push a 26 and a half million dead cap to 2022, but you'll at least save $23 million off your books immediately. And at least you'll be able to, in that case, field a roster, but this is not, I mean, they're in bad shape. Like Julio Jones's contract is for 2021. His salary is already guaranteed. It wasn't signing. You can, even if you move him, you're in like, there's just, I don't know how they get out of this mess. Like they are in, this is why I think this is the worst job for anybody to take, even though they have some really strong pieces, like they're top. Like if you just pick and choose top guys on the roster, they've got some of those pieces, but what are you going to do to actually feel the competitive team? Not only get better, put a team that is cap compliant on the field in September. Like that is it. They have a path just to get to that point. A reminder that the cap is real ladies and gentlemen, right? This is the fun joke on Twitter that people just like to say, eh, non-existent. No, you know what? One of the, one of the things that happened this year that obviously nobody could have foreseen is COVID, right? And this is the, everybody just projected that the cap was just going to keep going up, going up, going up. Did you just see what happened with the NBA? One of the toughest lessons that they had to learn where they projected out, they went off. These are, there are things that happen that change how this works, right? And so now you're stuck in this scenario where you're gonna have to make some really, really tough decisions. And I agree with you, Jamie. I think this is probably the worst job because one, the GM and the head coach are gonna both be coming in fresh, right? They're gonna have a lot that they gotta get on the same page for. And I don't know what happens with Matt Ryan here. I, I, I don't have an inclination of whether or not they are going to move on from him. And if they do, they're still going to be eating money, right? And that's going to be a very, very tough scenario for them. So these are some of the guys that have been associated with, with this coaching vacancy, right? So you're looking at Todd Bowles, obviously coming out of the division as a defensive coordinator in Tampa, Jim Caldwell, former Detroit Lions coach, Eric Bieniemy, who's going to be one of the hottest coaching candidates coming out this year. Robert Sala, who we already talked about, and then the current interim head coach, Raheem Morris. Of those guys, Kyle, do you like any of those as a potential for what will be a, a big ask here in Atlanta to try and figure out what they're going to do here and how they, you know, write this ship? Yeah, so I think the challenge for Atlanta and, and this, the silver lining, if you will, is Jamie's gone over the, the cap implications of parting ways with Matt Ryan. Well, this team has the number four pick in the NFL draft at this point in time. And the Miami Dolphins sitting at three are probably not in the market for a quarterback. So you're going to have a chance to secure a top three quarterback potentially uh, with this selection and, and kind of build that bridge into a new quarterback with some foundational pieces. We talked about how they have really good kind of keystone cornerstone pieces on the roster that they can work with. So I think about the candidates that are associated and who do I like best to make sure that you are uh, making the most of your quarterback transition. And, you know, I know the hot name is Eric Bieniemy, but the name that I really like for this job is Jim Caldwell. You know, Jordan, uh, when we were talking about Detroit, talked about the stability that they had there and they were a consistently competitive team. Uh, and Jim Caldwell, who's been out of coaching for a couple of years, but he's one of the, the accomplished quarterback gurus of, you know, th this recent stretch of head coaches who have had success no matter where they've gone working with quarterbacks. So if you're going to get QB3 and you need a guy to develop a quarterback, 
I want to put my eggs in the Jim Caldwell basket. And then that gives you flexibility because this is such a tenuous situation with what your long-term stability and roster looks like. You have flexibility because Jim Caldwell is not a hot young head coach. So Jim Caldwell can kind of build you through that bridge of like these rough stormy waters. And then if things are successful, you can continue to commit to him as long as he would like to continue coaching. But at the very least, you know, you're going to get solid mentorship for your young quarterback. Yeah. I think it's, it's really interesting to think that Jim Caldwell, I, I hated when he got fired. Right. I, I, I thought it was, it, it continues to be total BS that he was gone in that moment and, and was brought in. Matt Patricia was bought in. I am hopeful that he gets an opportunity. And this kind of seems like one of the more could fly under the radar. Like you said, Kyle, it's not one of the sexy coaching openings. So this might be more of a okay, we're going we're gonna to go get one of the guys who's proven it. He's not one of the young guys who's coming up in the league. He's not Eric Bieniemy. He's not one of the it, – it kind of fits. It makes sense in that scenario. Jordan, you – I want the same, same answer here from you from, for the Falcons. Who's the coaching candidate that makes sense in Atlanta to, to, to make this head in the right direction in 2021? Well, I mean, of course, you have to go for the home run swing, and that's Eric B. Enemy. And I'm sure he wants to go somewhere with an established team just because, I mean, that's what he's coming from with the Kansas City Chiefs. I don't think he's a coach that wants to go through a rebuild or, you know, mold a roster after what exactly he wants. I think he wants to step into a situation of where he wants to win right now. And I think Atlanta definitely is a situation of where he can do that. I'm actually a fan of the personnel that they do have offensively. I still think they have a ways to go on the defensive side of the ball, but they do have some bright spots in some spots. Grady Jarrett is a really good player. Deion Jones has shown promise uh, throughout his career. And Keanu Neal, when healthy, is one of the better safeties throughout the league. So they have playmakers on all three levels. It's just a matter of them getting depth on the defensive side of the ball. And then they already have really good skill position players. Julio Jones, we know what he's capable of when he's healthy. Calvin Ridley, I think he's a rising star throughout the league. And Matt Ryan, I think he's, he's I think he's still a top 20 quarterback throughout the league. And I think he's a player that you can win with. So I think the enemy has to be the home run swing, but I'm with Kyle here. I think you need to get somebody that can at least provide some stability. And I think Jim Caldwell can do that. And I think this is one of these jobs of where you just need somebody that, that can smooth over things for the next two to three years. And I know that's not going to please Falcons fans, but just piggybacking off of what Jamie said with their cap situation, there's just no way they can field a competitive team over the next few years. And we know Tampa Bay is in the Super Bowl window. We know New Orleans is always going to be competitive, even though they're pretty much in the red and their cap situation as well. But we know both of those teams are always going to be competitive in the NFC. And I think once the Panthers get a quarterback, I think they're going to be one of the more competitive teams in the NFC once they get the quarterback position solidified. So Atlanta needs somebody that can step in there and at least smooth over things. So I think the top two guys here would definitely be Jim Caldwell and Eric Bieniemy. Joe, they went defense with Dan Quinn. Do you agree with these guys? Do you think they go back to an offensive-minded head coach and go, you know what, we've got some pieces. We've got Matt Ryan. We've got Calvin Ridley. We've got Julio Jones. We have enough to make this work. And they just run it back in hopes that they can turn this around and basically establish a winning culture because that's the problem here. They can't win football games. And it's they're, they're, they're playing in so many close games. This is the team that took the Chiefs they should have beat the Chiefs. Catch the interception that Patrick <laughs> Mahomes threw to you, and you beat the you beat the Chiefs, right? This two weeks ago. So it, this is just a team that has not been able to finish. I like Jim Caldwell for this job. I'm, I'm with Kyle on this one, and for a lot of the same reasons that Kyle outlined. But 
I want to take it kind of a, a step further here and focus and make this about Matt Ryan, which seems really weird, right? A 35-year-old quarterback. Why are we going to care so much about him with this decision-making process? Well, I think having Matt Ryan does a lot of good things for you. First of all, I think he's the right type of quarterback to pair with Jim Caldwell. Remember, Jim Caldwell, when he was in Indianapolis, it was right towards the tail end of, of Peyton Manning's run in Indianapolis. And I'm not going to compare Matt Ryan to Peyton Manning, but you do have a very storied quarterback uh, with a franchise that's definitely reaching kind of the end of the, of the line there with that organization. And so I really like the idea of Jim Caldwell, number one, to maximize what's left in Matt Ryan, because it's complicated to move on from him. And um, I still think he's got some good football left in him. But what also Matt Ryan's presence allows you to do is like, I can't remember if it was Jordan or Kyle said, this team has the number four pick in the draft and that's a high pick. And there's four good quarterbacks in this year's class that, that a team should pick early on. And Trey Lance is the one that really pops for me for the Atlanta Falcons. And with Trey Lance, you have to keep in mind, he's really talented, right? He's got great size. He's got great athleticism. He's got great arm talent. But at the end of the day, he played at North Dakota State at the FCS level and has 318 career passing attempts entering the NFL. Not a guy that's going to be ready to play this year in 2021. He's probably not going to be ready in 2022. What a perfect scenario for him to come in and play underneath Matt Ryan for a couple of seasons to have Jim Caldwell in the building. And like we've kind of established with Jim Caldwell, not a guy that's going to be there for 15 years, right? He's, 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 he's a guy that's going to kind of get you through a period. And I think when you – kind of look at this from a high level and you say, okay, Jim Caldwell's great for Matt Ryan. Jim Caldwell will be great for Matt Ryan and Trey Lance. You can also kind of lean into Jim Caldwell and say, hey, get that coordinator on staff that in four or five years or six years when you're done coaching here, we just hand the keys over to him. And we've got Trey Lance, our quarterback of the future, and we've got whatever hotshot coordinator is going to be our coach of the future. And we really just kind of build this thing and, and get it going in the right direction. So Jim Caldwell, for all kinds of reasons, and I think you, you kind of leverage this Matt Ryan situation as a position of strength and really take a swing at Trey Lance. Joe, did you not just mock Trey Lance to the Atlanta Falcons in the most recent mock draft on the draftnetwork.com? I did. I did. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, look, I'm, I'm just doubling and tripling down every chance that I can on that idea right now. Listen, I love the idea. I think it's uh I think it's a dream scenario for Trey Lance, right? Not very often do you get the opportunity to get drafted somewhere where the pressure is not on right away, right? And if that was the scenario for the kid to to maximize his ability to develop in the NFL, that would be a phenomenal, right? But we all know things are going to get dicey in that top 5. Uh and although Kyle said the Miami Dolphins are not in on a quarterback, there was a few reports today that said it might get a little interesting, right? So we'll see how this we'll see how this all shakes out. Chris, you're the last one here. If you're making a call, is Matt Ryan the starting quarterback for the Atlanta Falcons in 2021, and who's the head coach? I just like how it's trendy for everybody to now take what I did to the Detroit Lions and put an ex-NFL head coach with the team. That's okay, guys. You know, don't you don't have to give me credit for my idea that I did with the Lions. That's okay. Uh, uh, these. These two jobs are really similar to me in this regard, right? They're both also hiring a general manager. And we're going to talk about some jobs here in a little bit that don't have 
that cloud hanging over this as well. I'll use a phrase that Kyle, I think, uses all the time, linear chain of command, right? And that's what needs to be installed here for these teams. So it's really hard for me to think that the Falcons are going to be a team that can get land an Eric Bieniemy because he's going to be sought after by teams that have their GM in place and are going to want to go that direction. So there's this waiting game that needs to be played. It's going to be really hard to do that. So I'm all in uh, with the Jim Caldwell stuff. I think it's a great fit to kind of make help make that transition into the next quarterback. But yeah, Bieniemy would be the guy. I just don't know if they're going to be able to win the waiting game there because they got to hire a GM first if they want to make this power structure work. That's a disadvantage that both Atlanta and Detroit have that some of these other jobs don't. Chris, how dare you disrespect Jim Caldwell while putting him in the same sentence as Mar- Marvin Lewis? Come on now. Come on now. Don't don't be doing that to Jim Caldwell. He deserves a little bit more respect, I think. Even though your ASU Sun Devil fandom is coming out here when you're talking about that's that's exactly what I thought. I knew I knew we were gonna at least get it once. Two things to or at least one specific thing about the enemy. He has interviewed multiple times, guys. And I know this has been publicly reported, and I've said it on our podcast, on our TDN Fantasy podcast. It has been told to me and multiple other members of our TDN crew, he does not interview well. For that to be said, it must be very bad, guys. So that being said, maybe there is an opportunity for him to be in Atlanta, right? Because this is this is now, this is four or five different people across different organizations all kind of saying the same thing. And there's a little hesitation, right? And maybe this is the Chicago Bears goggles, but there, Eric Bieniemy is not Andy Reid. Okay. Matt Nagy is not Andy Reid. That's the most recent option. Doug Peterson's having some struggles these days, right? So these are some of the things that start to factor in when you're looking at it because you, you start taking jumps going, this guy is going to be this, right? Well, no, he's not Andy Reid and you don't have Patrick Mahomes. Okay. Those are, those are two very, very different things that are going to happen when you're starting to evaluate a head coach as they walk into a new scenario. So Although I think Eric Bieniemy is is definitely a hot candidate and that he's going to have a lot of opportunities to interview, that is one of the big knocks on him. And it will be interesting to see if he took that feedback and made some changes in his preparation and we see different feedback coming out of this coaching cycle. So it's just something to pay attention to. All right, the one I'm most excited to talk about because I'm hopeful that most of the members here are going to troll one of the members here, Okay. And that is because we're going to talk about the New York Jets, okay? Let's start off with the positives, okay? Woody Johnson is not expected to participate in the head coaching interviews. Round of applause, Chris, for your team that they have decided that the owner does not need to participate in this process, right? So that is good news, right? These are some of the candidates they have been linked to. Dan Mullen, right? Head coach of the University of Florida. Eric Bieniemy, Brian Dable, Matt Eberflus. Brandon Staley, Patrick Graham, right? They're also potentially being linked to Jim Harbaugh, which I think would set Chris over the edge, which is obviously what I'm now rooting for, okay? Sorry, Chris. This is a team that is in a very interesting situation. They have, obviously, the number two overall pick. They've got Sam Darnold. What do they do here? They have a lot of options. They have a lot of options, okay? So, Joe, I'm going to start with you since this is a team that you scout right? And it's a division that you pay attention to very closely, right? Uh, you're obviously on the opposite end of the division right now, but you know what it's like to be down there, okay, at this, at this division. So what do, what do they need to do? If you're, if you're in charge, 
are they keeping Sam Darnold? Are they moving on from him for a King's ransom? What is the scenario that best helps the New York Jets get better in 2021? number one question they have to answer. And if I'm general manager, Joe Douglas leading this search, obviously I'm going to have my ideas about what I want to do with Sam Darnold, having been around him, but I want to hear what that coach, these coaches, all these guys that are coming into my office. I want to hear what's, what do you think? What's the plan? What do you want to do here? And as soon as they get to that answer, they can really lay the course forward with how they want to build this team, right? Obviously they have the number two pick in the draft and they'll have their choice of Justin Fields from Ohio State or Zach Wilson from BYU or Trey Lance from North Dakota State. So they kind of have their opportunity to say, yep, let's go with Sam Darnold and build around him and get a meaningful player at number two or trade back and get several meaningful players. And obviously uh, some uh, the other option is, is, is to move on from Sam Darnold and, and you're probably going to be able to get something meaningful for him back in return given some of these teams that are in odd positions to address their quarterback position you think about the san francisco 49ers maybe the chicago bears new england patriots these teams are not really in striking distance to get one of the top tier quarterbacks in the draft but if they can part with something to get sam darnold that gives them a reasonable shot at a young quarterback here's we don't want to sit here and talk about what they could do here's what they should do all right you just went through a disastrous run with adam gase as your head coach sam darnold has flopped as a number three overall pick in the draft wash your hands clean with it be done with it. Move on. You have this opportunity. Joe Douglas finally gets to really take control of this football team. Adam Gase isn't here. Take this opportunity to get your coach, to get your quarterback, and go go, go out or go in on your own terms, right? Like, lay your own path forward, and don't, don't play with anything that you've inherited. So, if I'm Joe Douglas, I love, and I mean, I love what he was able to get done in, in the 2020 NFL draft. And I think that was the closest thing that we've seen in terms of a stamp from Joe Douglas on this roster. And I think that he has an opportunity to build on that, but don't cling to Sam Darnold, figure out what you want to do with the number two pick, what quarterback you like, but I think it's time for them to move on and really just uh, put this Gase embarrassment behind them. Jamie, what are they going to be able to get back here? Right. When you start talking about when you start talking about moving on from Sam Darnold, and I'm in agreement. I think most of the, the team is going to be in agreement here that that's the right move for this team is to give Sam a fresh start. Right. And have an opportunity and also just kind of wipe clean from what has been a total disaster over the last two years. And Jamie, you know, this market very well. New York is a tough media market and Adam Gates flopped from the first minute he was on camera. Right. It was a it was a disaster. It takes a certain type of person to be a head coach. There's another layer that exists to be a head coach in New York. It just does. It is the toughest media market to answer questions in. It is the toughest place to have success. And this is one of those jobs that you look at and you go, okay, what are they going to be able to get back? What are they, what are they actually going to be able to get back for Sam Darnold? Because we can talk about it and then there's what is actually plausible. That that's the million dollar question. Uh, I know earlier in the season, a few weeks ago, Adam Schefter kind of floated out the, the two and a five. Uh, and we wrote about that a little bit at the draftnetwork.com of what that looks like. But it, to me, it's not so, yes, obviously the return matters, but this is also about setting up what you are doing as an organization. And I agree wholeheartedly with Joe on this. Sam Darnold, while could he be fixed? Possibly. If he goes somewhere else, change the scenery, different system, you know, put him with Kyle Shanahan, let's see what happens there. That sort of a thing. But he is not good enough right now to stare down a potential franchise quarterback and pass. I, I just I just don't think you can 
do that right now if you're the New York Jets. And if you believe, if you've done your evaluation, you believe Justin Fields is that guy or Zach Wilson or Trey Lance. If you think that is a franchise changing quarterback at the top of the draft, Sam Darnold is, you have don't have enough information about Sam Darnold to say, nah, we can look that gift horse in the mouth and we're going to run it back with Sam Darnold and see what happens because he didn't get a fair shake. You just, I, you don't have that luxury because you have no idea what your record is going to be next year. You don't know what the quarterback prospects are going to be. You know what your situation is going to be. So to me, it starts with their organizational philosophy from the very beginning. Are, is Sam Darnold our starter in 2021 or are we drafting a quarterback at two? When you make that decision, then you can decide what the proper package back for Darnold's going to be. But to me, it's that's negotiation down the road. That doesn't make the decision for you. Like you don't make the decision based on what the return for Sam Darnold could be. You make the decision based on who you think your franchise quarterback is next year and moving forward. And then you will let the other stuff work itself out. All right, let's go to TDN's QB1, Jordan Reed. Okay, the Jordan Reed. We got to make sure not the one that plays tight end. Okay, just making sure everybody knows that right off the top, our quarterback one. Jay, when you look at this quarterback class, obviously the big news in our draft world was the fact that the Jets won a football game, multiple football games, okay, and put themselves in a position to not draft Trevor Lawrence, right? One of the most talked about generational talents coming out, right? So that's not going to be their pick, right? Who is it? Is it guaranteed? If you look at this situation, are you comfortable saying, okay, we're going to move on from Sam Darnold and it's going to be insert this guy. Is it Justin Fields? Is it, is it Zach Wilson? Is it, is it any of those guys? Or are you comfortable running it back with Sam Darnold and trying to figure out what they have? Because Adam Gates is probably not the right barometer of success for a young quarterback. I'll just start with the Sam Darnold situation. I think um, I think it's an easy decision for me, and I think you just have to move on from him just because I think – I don't want to say he is what he is at this point, uh, but I think going into year four for him next year, I just think it's just better if he just has a fresh start elsewhere. And even though if he does go on to have success on another team, I don't think it's going to be a negative light on you, even though we've seen quarterbacks go and players in general go to other places without Adam Gase and have success. But – what makes it an easy decision for me to move on from Sam is the roster building standpoint. And you start, you essentially hit the reset button with the rookie contract for a quarterback. So let's say we drive just Justin Fields or Zach Wilson with the number two overall pick. You have them on a rookie deal for four to five years, as opposed to Sam Darnold, who's coming up with a fifth year option. That's going to be 30 plus million dollars. And that's a big decision for a quarterback that pretty much is still an unknown to me. So I think you have to hit the reset button at quarterback, but the great thing for Joe Douglas is that he's in this for the long term. He signed a six-year deal. So I think he can take a risk with this hire. And I'm going to throw out a different name that I actually like for this job. And it's Matt Campbell from Iowa State. And I'll tell you a reason why I'm a fan of Matt Campbell. He's done it on different levels. He did it at Toledo. He did it at Toledo as an interim head coach. He went on to get the head job, then had success. He did the same thing where he is now at Iowa State. And I think the Jets missed the ball a little bit, not hiring Matt Rule last year. And I think that was a, that would have been a fantastic hire for them just because I think they need somebody that they can be patient with, but also can just redevelop the culture there. And I think with Matt, with, uh, Matt Campbell, the way he's been able to re-energize everywhere that he's been, he's been able to establish a culture. And I think that's what the Jets are really lacking right now. And if you think about the Jets, they just don't really have an identity. When you think about the New York Jets, you have no idea what the first thing that is that comes to mind. But with the Matt Campbell-led football team, you know, they're very disciplined. They're going to play a very good brand of football as well. And I just think that's what the Jets lack right now. So I'm a big fan of Matt Campbell here with the Jets. 
so excited that you brought up Matt Campbell. One of the guys that I'm hearing is very excited about a potential move to the NFL. Seems like that would be a very interesting hire, especially since they did not, as you said, uh, have the opportunity to bring Matt Rule in last year. Chris was shaking his head. We're going to leave him for last because we know there's just going to be fan goggles on. I know it's going to be outrageous. Whatever comes out of his mouth is going to be something that is just totally fan speak. So let's go to Kyle who will enjoy all of the Jets' demise, right? So there's there's that there's this aspect that's going to come from from Kyle. And and when you look at this Kyle and you go, "Okay, totally objectively, the best thing for the New York Jets is this," right? What is that? What is that? Is that moving on from Sam Darnold? Is that trying to get it, it keeping Sam and drafting, you know, what op offensive lineman to what is that option? right? What does that option look like? And who's the best coach to take this team out of the dumpster? Yeah, I, I think as tempting as it might be to, to continue to see what you have in Sam Darnold without Adam Gase being there, because the list of players who is better as soon as Adam Gase is no longer their head coach is a very, very, very long list. Um, it feels like a fresh start is needed kind of all around from all sides here. So getting what you can for Sam Darnold, taking advantage of the fact that you have a high draft selection. And I think the biggest challenge for New York is finding a head coach that has kind of the managerial skills and the even keeled approach that can play well in New York. Uh, I, I do think Jordan's call out of Matt Campbell is an interesting name. Uh, a lot of the best head coaches are, are CEO types and, and types that, that build a program and, and have the same energy day to day. And I think that might be a nice departure from what the jets have been trying for a really long time to try to capture in their head coach. And, if we're being honest about the things that they're doing not working, then it's probably time to try something different. And Campbell might be that that candidate. But I, I really struggle with the Jets job as far as finding somebody that I'm really falling in love with for the job, just because it feels like there, there's so many barriers and hurdles to be had there in New York. Maybe for the first time, they're going to keep ownership out, right? And they're going to let Joe, Joe do his thing. Right. And that's your hope, Chris, right? You're hoping that this is going to be different than the cycle that you've seen for a very long time. So what's you're speaking for jets fans. This is sure. your opportunity. What you. is the dream scenario for all of the jets fans? Well, the dream scenario is finally landing a head coach that's here for more than five seasons and puts you in the postseason regularly. Right. I mean, that's never happened in my lifetime. The, the best head coach that the New York Jets ever had in my lifetime is Herm Edwards. And he's currently building a program at Arizona state. And that's it. That's the best that we've had. And, and I kind of want to throw this back at everybody to see what everybody's thoughts are on this. I'm very skeptical of this idea of hiring a top coordinator offensively, like an Arthur Smith, like an Eric B because it's really easy to say, Oh, we're going to use the number two pick on a quarterback. Let's get an offensive minded guy to work with that quarterback. This guy's got to coach the whole football team. This guy is going from just being an offensive coordinator to now being a head coach where he has to be in defensive meetings. He has to meet with different position groups. He can't just solely put all of his time and effort into a quarterback. So I think going down the B enemy route, going down the Arthur Smith route is great in, 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 in the idea of it because you want that guy to work with the quarterback. But there's so many other things that this coach is going to have to do. And I worry if they're going to be spread out too thin and you're not going to get that return on your investment at the quarterback position. Now, Matt Campbell, Paige and Jamie know in our pre-show meeting, I was uh, not as thrilled with Matt Campbell as most. And the reason why is they've done this before. They tried to talk to Matt Campbell in 2018 and Matt Campbell politely gave them the Heisman and said, thanks, but no thanks. 
is anything really changed in two years on the Jets side to all of a sudden Matt Campbell is going to want to sit down? Okay, Paige is giving me the money sign. That's fair. Th- that's fair. But the Jets are, I think, Chris. in a worse position roster-wise. Chris, everything in, the, in life is about cash. Okay? Follow the money. Matt Campbell just earned himself significantly more money by sitting out these last two seasons. You are talking about monumentally different financially. He sits, he can sit back and go, I'm, I use this analogy on the podcast. You guys always laugh, but he's the hot girl and he can sit back and entertain all the boys. Okay. This is how this goes. He goes, okay. I want to hear all the offers. What are all the offers? I want to hear all of them. He has earned that now because the jets are not, the jets are not a lucrative job. It's just not New York is a tough place to win period. We have seen Adam Gase was single-handedly destroyed in the first 30-minute press conference that he had in New York. Deservedly so, but it's like you had 30 minutes, man. Like it's like it was it was over. It was a wrap from that point on. So it seems like that might be Matt Campbell might be a good option in that he's 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 had success, right? He's he's had success as Jordan detailed his his background and and you raise concerns about the offensive coordinator. So you're kind of splitting in the middle here. I'm forcing you to make a decision because you don't want one of the coordinators, right? But you're not really excited about Matt Campbell. So what excites you then? What, what, is, the, what is the answer here? Because it seems like you're kind of sitting back going, I don't want to make a call, and that's not acceptable. No, you have to make a call. I'll make a call. I'll make a call. I, I have been a big believer, and this is the guy at the top of my list, is Matt Eberflus, the Colts defensive coordinator. I, I think if you're going to go the coordinator route, you have a whole lot of work to do on the defensive side of the ball, and I think bringing somebody in defensive-minded is a really strong way to go. I would also add to, the, the, to that, guys, you then have to make a really solid offensive coordinator hire. Like you've got to hit it out of the park. And I think the same thing goes if you hire one of these offensive guys. You have to just get a kick-ass defensive coordinator. I think that's the rub with this choice. But no Matt Campbell, uh, no Jim Harbaugh, because I know you're going to ask. No Dan Mullen, since I know you were going to bring that up as well. None of the, no college coaches, please. No, no, thank you. So no, so you don't want any college coaches. You just want anybody. Yeah, but that's what you talk, I gave you a name. I said Eberflus. I gave you a name, Matt yeah, Eberflus. Give okay, him a Jets so, helmet. Let's go. Okay, so to throw this back at your face, though, because you brought this argument up about an offensive coordinator, what the hell does Eberflus know about going into an offensive room and talking to the quarterback? Because that was your argument against an offensive coordinator. Right. It's so as if, how's he going to handle that? Because that's it's a as much if, more, Paige, it's, it's as, as if the Jets are in a really tough spot here. Yes, they are. But you want me to tell you what happens in an NFL locker room more often than not? They hire a head coach who is offensive-minded, and they stay out of the way of the defense, okay? And they hire a well-respected defensive coordinator that can run the show, and they don't have to go to the defensive side. This is what Sean McVay did when he first came into the league. He didn't walk to that side. He didn't have to take part in special teams. He didn't have to take part in, in the defense. He was focused on, how the hell do I make Jared Goff that dude? And he somehow magically made Jared Goff competent enough to take him to a Super Bowl. Okay. And that's not a, that is, that's not a Super Bowl quarterback. So that's the, that's what is happening more often than not in the NFL. So you would be going against the grain. You would be going the opposite way where you're going the Vic Fangio route, right? Which is to be determined on whether or not that's going to work. First two seasons haven't been so good. So that's where I'm asking you, like, what are you looking at that you're having success with that? You're going, yeah, I want that. That makes sense to me. 
Yeah, and, and I think Sean McVay is a great example because look who he hired as his defensive coordinator. He yes. had Wade Phillips, who has head coaching experience in the National Football League. So I think if you're going to go the coordinator route to kind of tie both ends of this argument together, you have to hire a coordinator on either side of the ball that has a little bit of coaching experience that can help you through some of these tough points. So if you want to go be enemy or Arthur Smith, they're on the list, right? They're some of the guys I love for this job. But it just it's not just as easy as hiring them as your head coach. You have to do a lot of other work to build out a coaching staff. The same thing applies with Eberflus. The college jump with a guy like a Matt Campbell or Dan Mullen, I'm just not as high on. So the three guys I mentioned, Arthur Smith, uh, Eric Bieniemy, and Eberflus are the three guys that I really like. But again, you have to make other good coaching hires. I love that we tied that up with you saying you want three coordinators as your head coach yeah, after want, telling yeah, us he, that he you didn't want a coordinator. I, it's, 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 it's so quintessentially Chris. And I, I honestly, it's perfect because I'm quite sure that you are all of the New York Jets fan. Like it's, you don't know what you want. Cause you don't, you just don't know what you don't know. Right. You're just going to, you're going to talk yourself into this situation and that situation. And what you need to do is you need to stop doing what you've been doing. Right. You've been doing it wrong for a long time. So maybe go against what you've been doing for a while and try something new, right? And whether or not what that is, I don't know. It looks like Joe wants to jump in here. So I'm going to let Joe jump in because I think he's got, he's, he's almost like he's got the Gruden face. Like he's going to give me a, an impression oh, here. I was, right now. I, no, was I was hyped for it. Listen, I, I'm here to, I'm here to defend my guy, Chris Schubert a little bit here. And, oh and I know that's unpopular oh, with no. this group, but uh, oh. I, I want to add some additional thoughts on Chris is it seemed like he wanted to go Matt Eberflus as the, as the guy he wants. And I want to maybe give you some encouragement as to why I think that's the right move. I think you can take a look at what's happened in the AFC East and, and seeing what the Miami Dolphins have accomplished with Brian Flores and, and the Bills with Sean McDermott and say, yeah, we need kind of something like that. We need, we need somebody that can be the CEO of our football team, even if they are a defensive-minded guy. And for the, the Jets to go with Eberflus, I think they're going to get – a similar type of, of coach and leader, which is what they need. And number one, I, I love what he's been able to do in Indianapolis, where I think so much of that talent on the defensive side of the football, I mean, the whole football team, but particularly on defense, I think is really overachieved. And a lot of guys that didn't have much success previously in their career, they've came to Indianapolis and they've been the best version of themselves and really had good years. And so I really respect the job that he's been able to do there. Kind of an unusual situation, right? Josh McDaniels is hired as the Colts head coach. Matt Eberflus is hired. Matt McDaniels leaves. Frank Reich comes in. They keep him, and it works. I mean, who would have saw that coming? And, and it did. So I love his, his work that he's already got under his belt from his time in Indianapolis with Coach Reich, which I think is really fantastic. But let's go back to his time in Dallas. I mean, uh, Eberflus was an assistant in Dallas from 2011 until 2017. And during that time, he's the linebackers coach, right? He's not an offensive guy, but he did have a front row seat to watching Tony Romo right. And, and what he was able to accomplish in Dallas. And so I think you can kind of, kind of look at that, look at what he was able to do with the Colts. I mean, the linebackers, I mean, Sean Lee, right. We all know about the great playing days of Sean Lee. That was under Matt Eberflus. I think a CEO type like Eberflus is the right type of coach for the jets. And um, they need somebody that can maximize some of that defensive talent that they have and that they're going to get because they need it, right? They're, in the AFC, you got some really good young quarterbacks, Pat Mahomes, Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, Lamar Jackson. You have to score some points. Mm-hmm. Might need to figure out how to stop those points there and get a guy like Eberflus. Chris, how the tables have turned. Look at that. You have Joe defending you. You've got a good option there. So it's Matt Eberflus. That's who you guys are rolling with. 
Joe and Chris, that's the best option. You guys <laughs> like that option. I'm holding you to that. Uh, Kyle, your best option of the available guys that I mentioned. And it seems like Joe's made a really strong case for Matt Eberflus. So <laughs> uh, I don't, I don't feel, like I said, I don't feel super drawn to any individual yeah. name. So, so Joe's done a nice job kind of outlining the case for Eberflus and why not? Let's see, let's see something different take place. All right. Matt Eberflus it is. Jamie, do you want to throw a, a dynamite on, on this whole Matt Eberflus train or are you just going to oh, roll with the punches? Shockingly enough, that was the name I was going to give you if you came to oh. me first. Um, I, I like the job he's done there. It's weird because like with this Jets job, there are so many competing like truisms. There is the, you're going to draft a quarterback at two. You got to get an offensive guy. You, there is the, you got to get a veteran coach because they got to deal with the New York media there. I mean, there are just so many, you got to get, you know, you just went offense. you go back to defense? Do you like, there are so many competing narratives and they all could make sense if you want to twist your mind around any of them. But uh, I, I like the, I like the evil for this one. That was going to be my pick. And more importantly, like, I don't think it's easier to go guys. I don't think are great fits. Like, I don't, I don't think this, like to me, Brandon Staley's a year or two away. Like I, I love what, I love what he's done this year, but let's do it again. Like, I'm not, I'm not, I think you need to show it for a couple of years before you just take these massive jumps in the head coaching. Like Patrick Graham's done a great job. You're, you're a year or two away from that spot. I don't think this is a good spot for the enemy. Uh, and I think some of the stuff that's gone on in this past and some of this is not, this is not a market for this because that some of those old skeletons will come back up. And I know they've already come, you know, Twitter talks about them a little bit, but that's not the market you want to be in. I don't think Dan Mullen makes sense there. Uh, I, I know Jim Harbaugh's name is fun, but like, no. So like, just to me, like I, I, you, you just start to rule out some of these names. And while there's not that one, like, yes, that's, that, that's the crown jewel. That's the one. I think you, you're looking for a, a guy like Eberflus who actually would have been my pick there. So I think it's easier to eliminate names than to pick one that you love so much. Okay. Well, listen, Jets fans, we fixed your problem. We have hired a coach that the entire group has agreed upon, which is nearly impossible. So that means it should definitely happen which means the Jets will not do it, Chris. So just mentally prepare yourself because there's no chance that's going to happen if the whole group just said no chance. They're, they're going to do Harbaugh and yep. Darnold back. Yep. Can't wait. Going to be awesome. Very excited. Very excited to see Chris's reaction when they initially report that. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.